Gyro Nation Metal. Welcome back to Gyro Nation Metal. My name is Jeff, and I'll be your host. Jonathan and Marcus of Swedish death metal band Carnosis join me today for my first two guest episode. Carnosis dropped their debut album, Dogma of the Deceased, on March 13th of 2020 with Satanath Records. Carnosis is a relatively new band with some pretty obvious death and thrash metal influences, contributing to a full-length debut, which starts on a strong point and continues throughout. Welcome, guys. Thank you for joining me. Yo. Yo. Thank you for having What's us. What's going on? Yeah, thanks. <laughs> no problem. Anytime. <laughs> so, I mean, I got pretty much a blank slate with you guys because you're relatively new. So I kind of want to start at the beginning. Uh, how did you guys get into metal? Well, for uh, for my part, it was uh, actually coming from my dad. So he used to play in a rock band. And uh, uh, eventually he put that on the shelf but then he mm-hmm. started listening to more um more metal and specifically more prog metal so i come from a very heavily prog metal background and who are some of the groups that you first started listening to uh, dream theater that's um, that's the biggest uh, influence in in my listening or my playing and you've obviously listened to their new album yeah what do you think? I think it's a step up from the the one before that. Um, I think it has um, a lot of uh, like throwbacks to the, the older albums, uh, specifically to uh, to their uh, self title album, and um, okay. that that one I really liked. And would that be your your favorite Dream Theater album then? No, my my favorite is um, "Scenes from Memory." Okay. Yeah. What specifically do you like about that one? I I like that it's uh, it, it is a cohesive story. So uh, the the whole album is uh, like it, it has a full fledged story throughout with uh, drama, murder, and you know uh, news outlets and. Uh, yeah. All the good stuff. Yeah, all the good stuff. <laughs> awesome. And Jonathan, what's your story? How'd you get into metal? Um, I'm not really, really sure, but basically um, my brother, Jacob, Yeah. Um, he uh, had like this home burnt CD with a bunch of random tracks. And in there was uh, two tracks of a band called Nine, which is like a Swedish hardcore slightly sludgy band and uh, that was the first time i heard like screaming vocals and i was like "Ooh, this is cool <laughs> and uh, yeah then it sort of went on from there for, with like hardcore and uh, other more punky stuff but then i found out from a friend about bloodbath and that's mm. uh, when i realized like "Ooh, this is this is cool and then I sort of went down the rabbit hole and listened to everything more and more brutal. And <laughs> yeah, then I ended up here. So like my first exposure to scream vocals was maybe when I was 12 or something like that. And did you start um, like imitating the screaming at that point or did you get into vocals later? Uh, I got into vocals maybe at 14. Okay. So uh, yeah, something, something around around that time 
it's funny how metal music can act as a gateway to more and more brutal music. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And that, that, uh, the same goes for my, uh, my taste in music. Yeah. So I started as a exclusively prog metal fan, but uh, nowadays it actually has evolved into tech death and almost only tech death. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> I can see you're wearing a new Archspire t-shirt. What do you yeah. think of their new album? Uh, I think it's great. Yeah, I think it's, uh, yeah, I really like the, especially the singles. I mean, they were straight fire. I can't believe he can speak so fast. I can't oh, think yeah. that's <laughs> it's, it's insane. <laughs> it's funny. There was, um, there was something online that I saw and it was, I think it was actually, uh, Ollie from Archspire challenging tech nine to kind of like a battle. <laughs> no. <laughs> Yeah, but I should um, probably mention that my taste has completely shifted. Like I was into death and uh, even deathcore and stuff in the beginning. I just listened to everything, but then it has sort of morphed into a more depressive black metal stuff since. Interesting. I don't know, maybe 2016 or so. So now. And I'm, then have you? Oh, sorry. I'm mainly uh, a black black metal head now, I guess. Interesting. <laughs> and so, have you moved towards like the more atmospheric stuff or? Yeah, hard hitting original black metal. Um, yeah, I mean, I listen to Gorgoroth and stuff like that, which is more of the he hectic side. But also, mm -hmm. bands like Elder Wind and Photophobia and Life Lover, like more depressive stuff. I have not heard of any of those, so I'll be listening to them later. <laughs> <At least. laughs> Thank you, I appreciate it too. So you guys have been in uh, Carnosis for a while now. Uh, did you guys know each other beforehand? Kinda. We we went to the same uh, same uh, gymnasium, which is okay. like college. I yeah, I guess college. No, like the high school. Somewhere in between high school yeah. and college. I yeah, think. somewhere in between high school. Um, okay. So um, yeah, um, like we had we hadn't talked really before uh, a lot at least, but uh, we have kind of seen each other in school at least. So um, yeah, we were both in like the music class, and he was in Marcus was in yeah. the, year, the year above me. Okay. And so when you were learning music in school, like they probably didn't go down the metal route; they were just teaching instruments and how to read music, or yeah, both um, both instruments and reading music. But then there was also we had uh, like choir uh, classes, and also ensemble so they like put us together into a group uh, of like five people and then we played played some song that either we chose or they chose but it was most uh, most of the time it was it was pop so yeah yeah nothing more ex exciting than rock <laughs> <laughs> it's uh, the reason i ask is uh, my last guest philip from obvert He's actually a school teacher, and he, he was given the opportunity of playing uh, the length of their full EP in front of his class, which was pretty cool on yeah. the last day of school one year. So, how did Carnosis uh, come to be? Like after you guys went to school together, what happened next? How did you form the idea? Uh, the band actually started like a couple of years before, in like 2011, and neither one of us was in the band at that, that time. Yeah. So uh, the Carnosis started in 
yeah, like you said, 2010, 2011, somewhere around that. Uh, with our current uh, rhythm guitarist and our drummer and our former vocalist, they went together at a uh, yeah at, at at school and I had the like sort of a school project to create some music and record it. And uh, so they just uh, brewed up some uh, some death metal songs and uh, recorded them. And um, closely related to this, uh, I joined uh, the band. So they were they had put up like uh, we're looking for a bassist. So I joined in 2012 and got to record the bass parts on that uh, on those demos. I think it was five songs. I don't know if all of them had stood the test of time, but uh, I think some of them are still available online. Okay. So that's obviously not the EP that you guys came out with. No. No, uh, there are like two demo tracks on Bandcamp. Yeah. Okay, cool. Might, might be some on YouTube as well. Um, not sure. <laughs> Fair enough. And so, Jonathan, how did you get um, brought into Carnosis? Um, uh, Marcus, basically, I guess he heard me yelling in school <laughs> or something. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe found my YouTube channel or whatever. And then okay. he just messaged me like, do you want to try out? We have this show coming up in Stockholm and our vocalists can't make it. So, yeah, I mean, I went for it, but then uh, the show didn't happen. <laughs> oh, no. And, and then uh, I heard nothing for quite a while, but then they contacted me again because their uh, original vocalist, Olaf, uh, I think he, like, moved to Australia for a bit. Yeah, I think he moved, um, well, he moved abroad, so... Um... Yeah, so then that's, like, when I joined for real in, mm -hmm. I think... 2014 or 15? Yeah, maybe? 14, 15, something, something like that. And was this your first band uh, yeah, in yeah. general? Okay. So were you nervous getting on stage for the first time and screaming in front of everybody? Yes. Okay. <laughs> How did you get over that? Uh, just doing it. Like, uh, I mean, I had experience with doing it on camera Okay. for like YouTube covers and stuff. Um, and I had a bit of experience with singing for an audience because of the choir stuff in school, but like really screaming and doing my own thing. Uh, I mean, it was super scary at first, but then just doing like five gigs and it was sort of gone and I just got stoked and yeah, now I'm at the stage where I just get stoked. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I don't care. <laughs> 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 yes, don't give a shit anymore. <laughs> uh, oh, by the way, are we allowed to say stuff like that? Like, yeah, you can say whatever you'd like. Okay, yeah, cool. I, I don't care at all. If I people was... get offended, they can fuck right off. As far as I'm concerned, <laughs> <laughs> sweet. <laughs> I'm here to get to know the people behind the music, and uh, basically, whatever wants, whatever you guys want to chat about, I'm an open book, and so if that includes swearing, then so be it. <laughs> <laughs> shit, yeah. So where's your favorite uh where's your favorite venue to play in uh locally? I don't know anything about the place, but I know there are really good metal <laughs> venues everywhere across the world. Well, locally there 
there is basically only one stage close by, um, like in in the town where we are now. So <laughs> I guess that's it. <laughs> if yeah, we're talking yeah, like yeah. local, <laughs> local here, <no>. yeah. <laughs> but um, of course there are some bigger stages like in Stockholm and Gothenburg. So we played Sticky Fingers in 2018, 17? Yeah, no, 2019, I think. Was it that late? Maybe. I don't know, I don't really know. <laughs> it doesn't matter because the stage isn't available anymore. <laughs> so I think they shut down the venue. Oh. Is that because of COVID or? I don't know. I don't know really. Uh, I mean, maybe they didn't shut down, or, but I think they changed like owners and stuff. So yeah. I don't know if they have like as much metal going on anymore. Mm. That sucks. Yeah. Yeah, it sucks when that happened. We we had a like a bar here in our town that actually had a, had to shut down as well, and we played a couple of gigs there as well. But it, it had to shut down because they didn't uh, renew the the license to sell alcohol, so they had to shut down. Oh no! Nobody's going there. They're not. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> Jonathan, when you're when you're uh, screaming, do you have to take over? Uh, sorry, how similar is it to singing? Is there anything that you can bring over, like technique wise, or is it something completely different? Uh, it, it's not totally different. Um... I mean, everything I do is based on underlying pitches with mm-hmm. my clean voice. Uh, but uh, to be honest, I think my voice was in a slightly better shape back when I was doing more choir stuff and just singing more in general because I sort of slacked off with the clean singing lately and... Uh, yeah, I can tell that it's affecting my endurance and stuff. Even uh, endurance and stuff also with the metal vocals. Uh, so, uh, to be honest, I think I need to work a bit more on the singing to really get in shape again for like when touring finally mm-hmm. starts happening again and so on. I've never heard anyone refer to um, getting their vocals in shape. That's pretty cool. <laughs> okay. What uh, what do you do to maintain your voice and and to make sure that you don't have that raspy feeling? Uh, like warming up at least for fifteen to twenty minutes before doing any harsh vocals, and I always start with warming up my cleans, and uh, if they feel scratchy or whatever, I focus on those pitches that feel a bit off. And really stretch my tongue, stretch my jaws, and stuff like that. And then I ease into the distortions, false chords, fry, whatever. And uh, yeah, fool around with it for a bit. And then I can like belt out proper screams. So what you kind of do, if I understand this correctly, is you're actually paying attention to the notes that you're trying to hit. You're trying to reach those. Um, You're not just singing a song you're actually making no, I, I do like uh, warming up with scales and stuff like that okay so very technical then i i, I mean like, <laughs> as far as a voice can be right yeah sure. i've heard a few uh, people in the past and a few of my guests refer to their uh, their voices as instruments so i guess that's where i'm coming from yeah and i mean it totally is and uh, 
while you can buy another guitar if it breaks you can't really buy a new voice so mm -hmm. you really have to take care of it you know is there a difference between doing high pitch and low pitch vocals uh like in the way you sing them i guess um yeah i would say that it is mainly because they are based on like underlying fundamental pitches okay. so like if i do a low it's based on uh <laughs> uh yeah like that and then with the highest they're based on everything from wah to wah <laughs> okay and stuff like that the classic super mario voice turned into scream <laughs> 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 I'm guessing you guys are video game fans. Yeah, a bit. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Oh, but man. then, like, okay. it all has to do with the shape of your mouth and stuff like that, and the amount of air you sort of let pass through. Some of my lows are very breathy, and I can't do like long sections with them because they require so much air. While other lows are much more constricted and like. Uh, well, not constricted, but like, uh, uh, what's the word? Compressed. <laughs> yeah. And uh, yeah, so those require much less air. And mm -hmm. then highs in general require less air as well, since the like vocal tract is tighter and stuff like that. Interesting. That's cool. So one thing I noticed listening to uh, your new album with, like, in comparison to the universal culmination is that your vocals are more of a focal point. Is that something that was um, a conscious change or is that just something that naturally happened? Uh, I think it like happened a bit naturally. Yeah, I'd, I'd say it was naturally. Yeah, we got some critic on the... Uh, uh, the EP, the Universal Combination, that the vocals were mixed too low. <laughs> okay. Yeah. But uh, I really like that mix, actually, because it sounds more old school and just gritty. And yeah, I think it's it's suitable that. that the vocals are a bit lower, in my opinion. Yeah. I think there's also a market for um, for the lower vocals. I remember a lot of old school death metal sounding like that. And that's originally yeah. why I wasn't into them. Yeah, and th that's, uh, that's the reason, I think... Uh, that the EP was mixed the way it was because uh, like the person we recorded the EP with uh, Thomas Cooksberg uh, he recorded like the old school Entombed and At the Gates albums so so like uh, yeah he, he I think he uses the old school sound a bit more in his mix processing and uh, some people like it some people don't I think that's the same with any music, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It really depends on what you like. How did you get him on board? I think our drummer's brother recorded some of his band's stuff there, and he sort of hooked us up with him. And, uh, yeah, we went to his cabin cabin in the woods for like a week. Nice. That's awesome. Yeah, and he scared the shit out of us in that cabin. <laughs> <laughs> Apparently. Did. How did that happen? Well, it was uh, late at night, and I don't know, for some reason you went outside, and we, the others in the room didn't notice, oh, yeah, yeah. Now and remember. then he just banged <laughs> the shit out of, out of the window and screamed as loud as he could, 
<laughs> we were inside and we, oh man. The reason I went out, I remember this vividly, is because basically it was my first time really being trapped in a small room with a band for a week <laughs> or like with any people for a week. And I really had to like get my head together, go out in the woods, total darkness, and just blast black metal. <laughs> Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> when you were in the cabin in the woods, like, is I'm guessing that was like a home studio then? Well, no, not really. I he uses it as a full fledged studio, so. Okay. Uh, he has like a separate studio cabin and then uh, a totally different uh, living quarters cabin and then he has his house as well so there were like three different houses i think on the yeah i think the studio is like in the sort of converted barn i think yeah something like that yeah cool so it's fully set up for recording and that's basically what he does out there yeah, yeah, dedicated drum room and vocal room. and. So when you were looking back at your, your EP and you had the feedback about your vocals and stuff, what were some other things that you wanted to uh, stay consistent with your when you're writing your new album? Well, I think we liked um, the way some of the EP, album, uh, EP songs uh, were very technical. And we still wanted to keep a part of that, but we still also wanted to have, uh, like for example, the song The Universal Culmination, uh, which is also the name of the EP. Uh, that song is more like slow or like... Uh, yeah, it's like toned down a bit. Yeah, a, a bit toned down. So we obviously wanted to sort of inject that too into the album, but like do it in a natural way. So that's why um, uh, Deceptive Authority, uh, like that, we can kind of say that they are similar in those two songs uh, for like, it's, they are kind of easier to listen to and more toned down. But Mm -hmm. we mainly wanted to keep the, the, the fast, technical aspects of the EP. <laughs> but you know, you, you, you got to have these slightly easier listening songs just because it might catch you a new fan that isn't really into the super hectic stuff, but mm-hmm. then they hear this heavier side of us and they sort of find that we can do that too. And yeah. You kind of got to ease the new fans into it, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Yeah. I can't imagine like a, I mean, we chatted briefly earlier, but even Archspire, I mean, a lot of people don't really like that the first time they hear it. It's just, it's a slow drip and then they just get it one day. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Your, your, uh, your album came out shortly or maybe around the same time as when COVID shut everything down over here. Yeah. Um, other than touring, how do you guys think that the release of your album was impacted by COVID? Or uh, if at all? To be honest, I almost think it was like the perfect time to release it because people stayed at home and listened to music. <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think so too. Like, uh, it's uh, like it, it was available everywhere, even online. Mm-hmm. So, uh, so I think it was a benefit actually that people got into their homes more and yeah, got online more, basically. It's an interesting perspective. I've heard that it, the pandemic has kind of helped people with more creativity and more free time, but I haven't heard the perspective that it helps them with, with like fans listen to their music and stuff. That's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. So since COVID has been kind of wrapped, not wrapped up, I guess, but since things have been a little less strict, have you guys been able to play any live shows? Uh, we haven't played anything yet. No. Uh, mainly like dur- during COVID, we only played a few shows. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then we wanted to start writing the next album. So that's mainly what we've been focusing on. And uh, now that COVID is sort of getting over <laughs> or yeah, ending, we have uh, booked a few shows in now in December. But nice. uh, like Jonathan said, we we haven't really played many shows during COVID. I think just like two yeah, I think, live streamed. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Sorry, you live streamed a show? Yeah, yeah, two. Oh, that's cool. So you played like remotely and then people just watched it at home or how did that work? Yeah, one of, one of the shows were, um, were totally live streamed. So there were just the bands that played that evening and a couple of like uh, engineers. Yeah, cool. And then the other was, uh, I think, it might have been like recorded and then streamed a bit later. Okay. Yeah. Or maybe both was. I I don't know. But yeah, and this was like a super odd feeling. Oh yeah, yeah, definitely. Like, is that uh, because there was no audience there, or because you're in front of camera? Yeah. Yeah, not, not so much because it was on camera, because uh, like we we have filmed a few of our shows, so we're kind of used to that. But uh, like it, it was odd for us to know like where should we look and <laughs> what what should be our focus point? How long should we like wait for applause? Should we like say thank you after the songs for people applauding us? And, yeah, you know, like yeah, and it felt a bit weird because the few people that were there like five tech engineers and stuff like that i mean they were so focused on their shit and we are focused on our shit and then there's like no audience to like draw energy from so you really have to dig from yourself you know yeah there's not no one else to thrive off of you know i know it's probably in a completely different realm but the way I can imagine that feeling is the same as like, say watching a hockey game and they had nobody in the stands. They were just yeah, playing back and forth. <laughs> yeah. I can imagine. Yeah. At work, we have this TV that's always on and it's always on like a sports channel. So sometimes there'll be like a dog show that comes on and they not only had cardboard cutouts of people, but they had cardboard cutouts of dogs in the <laughs> oh, audience. Yeah. Well, I saw something about that <laughs> online, like uh, on the news. It's ridiculous. Yeah. <laughs> So now I know you guys were moving on. Uh, well, we chatted briefly before about your new album. Uh, I know you can't say much, but what can you tell us about it? Uh, that it's going to be sick for sure. 
Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh... Yeah, what can we say? We've recorded basically everything ourselves this time. Mm -hmm. um, Dogma of the Deceased was recorded in Gothenburg with uh, Robert Kukla. Yeah. Or Cooks, depending on what he wants you to think that his name is. Um, <laughs> <laughs> never mind that. Um, yeah, so he's he has this studio like Obsidian Recording, and it's in this well, it's in the same facilities as uh, Studio Fredman. Mm -hmm. And so yeah, we were there, but this time we recorded all the guitars and the bass and all the vocals at home. Um, but we recorded the drums at Obsidian again. So when you guys are recording, do you record each instrument separately or do you kind of jam together and put it all into one? Well, we, um, we recorded each, uh, like separately, separate. Okay. Words separately. <laughs> <laughs> so I, for example, recorded right here. Yeah. I got my studio set up here. Uh, you recorded at home, I think. I recorded at my mother's like textile studio. She has this small cabin in the backyard where That's she perfect. does like textile work and stuff. Nice. Yeah, and the, so and the guitars were recorded in uh, in uh, the guitarist apartment as well. So, how do you guys come up with a song? Do you start with guitars first and then move on, or does it just? If there's an idea, you roll with it. Mainly, it starts with only guitar, and then it kind of evolves. Like so, our guitarist comes up, comes up with a riff, and he mm -hmm. shows it to uh, the band. Like when we rehearse together, and uh, then our drummer lays down a beat over it, or if our guitarist has. A specific thought in mind that mm -hmm. for the drums like so he yeah but basically it starts with a guitar and then everything else comes together in the either at home individually or in the in the rehearsal space rehearsal space <clears throat> have you guys ever practiced remotely no we no. we haven't uh it would be cool if it, like, could be possible with zero latency, but I don't know. Mm. I haven't really seen anything that works like that. I've heard a couple of my guests, they've said they haven't really tried, but the ones who have said there sometimes are technical issues with the uh, latency and, and the lag time, of course. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I can imagine that being off-putting if you're trying to make sure everything is in tune with each other in, in time. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, that, that's got to be frustrating. But uh, I'm totally up for trying it. Yeah, it would be cool. Do you think it would have the same kind of effect on you guys as uh, playing remotely, like playing in front of a an audience that isn't there? Or because it's practice, does it really matter? I think it wouldn't really matter because, like, if you don't, like, if you can't perform, it's okay because it's just mm -hmm. practice. <laughs> yeah, yeah. What does a practice session normally look like for you guys? Um, normally, we try to be like as efficient as possible, but sometimes we 
swerve out into like ACDC amps uh, for like a half an hour and uh, he goes out because <laughs> like yeah. not not this again yeah exactly so but like it, it's all it all depends on what mood we are in yeah. like for for some uh, rehearsals we kind of have an agenda like for today we we only want to focus on this particular song and mm-hmm. we play it until we can't stand it. And then we play like two other songs and then we go back to it. Like, for example, like a refresher. Yeah. 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 Okay. Interesting. So and we, we like usually warm up with some of the older songs and then work on the new stuff we're working on. And then, like, go back and forth with stuff we already know by heart and stuff we want to work on and write new shit and stuff like that. And then when you go back into, like, practicing some of these old songs, do you ever, like, realize that you want to change something about a new track and then change it on the fly? Or is that just something you kind of have in the planning stages? Uh, We kind of let the song evolve. And if we notice something during the rehearsal time that uh, that uh, either this riff doesn't fit together with this riff, like then we try to work something in in between. Mm-hmm. Or if we... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, well, but when we play all the old stuff, you know, we keep it as as it is. Yeah. We don't change much about it. And speaking of uh, playing the music, Marcus, how did you get into bass? Uh, this is kind of kind of funny because, um, like, I went to a music school from like age six, mm-hmm. uh, so back then uh, I kind of went around on the instruments. So I started on drums, but uh, like the coordination wasn't there, so I wanted to try out guitar but that was uh, too complicated with all the chords and stuff so <laughs> i went to bass <laughs> and that clicked with me uh, very very nicely but nowadays i <laughs> it's kind of the the opposite now i play mainly guitar uh, like uh, at home at least okay I was sitting there thinking, shit, did I get the wrong member? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> it's funny that you say that um, guitars, I don't, they, they were a bit too complicated at first because you play a seven string, a string bass and I can only imagine that being more difficult than the average is what, five or six strings? Um, I say the average for metal is five. Uh, okay. Probably, yeah. And then what some, do the uh, strings do? Uh, so... I actually have it here, if I can. No. So, uh, I don't know how well you can see it, but like these four strings, or these four strings, they are the same as on a four string bass. Okay. And so this one is obviously brighter and uh, these strings are, are darker. Mm-hmm. So, uh, the I have it set up so it's uh, like fourth, fourths all over. But some people like to 
tune it basically like a guitar. So hmm. they tune one of the strings down uh, half a step. So it all depends. I'm just going to throw out the strings. Oh, sorry. I'm just going to throw out a quick question for Marcus. Mm -hmm. Haven't you like modified this bass? Isn't it supposed to be four? I mean, the main four strings and one darker and two brighter, mm. and you have changed it to two darker instead. Or have I Damn. had a weird <laughs> dream about that? No. Uh, so for seven-string basses, uh, there aren't a lot out there that I know of, at least. Like you can do some custom shops, but I think only Ibanez and uh, this brand are the only like uh, brands that make seven strings that I know of, at least, uh, for an actual production model. Uh, so um, some people have it like I have it with two strings that are lower in, okay. uh, in, in tune. But uh, some people have it with two strings that are that are higher in pitch. Okay. But from the start, this one was like Jonathan said, uh, it was two strings that was there was uh, higher in pitch. But then I then I slapped on a big ass string on <laughs> on it. <laughs> Just from my perspective, so uh, I can notice there's like a very visible difference in the thickness of the strings. Does that, um, the thicker the string, the lower the tone generally? Um, yeah, generally. Okay. Yeah. Interesting. So, uh, so how do you, yeah. how is it different tuning from a guitar? Like, is it much different or you just kind of choose the notes you want? Well, you can, you can kind of choose whichever uh, tuning you want. Obviously, mm -hmm. if you go, uh, lower then you might have to go to a thicker string because otherwise the string will get too floppy and it will be basically unplayable uh, but so if you choose a thicker string then you will get the same note but a tighter string interesting that's um, cool yeah so the reason I came across your music was through Spotify. Um, like you guys said, people were trapped in the house. They had a lot more time to go through. Um, basically, I went down a rabbit hole. I started to get uh, introduced to a bunch of different bands that I never thought I would. Um, so my question for you guys is, do you, what benefits do you think you have being a new band in the streaming age? Uh it's a tough one, I think, to to answer. I mean, uh, we generally don't have anything to compare to since we're a newer band. But I think as individuals, I think we as younger individuals have an easier time with like uh, everything being technical and uh, online and stuff. But. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, music music is relatively accessible and easy to get a hold of online. So, if we know where to like put up our music and how to promote it easily, I think that's uh, that's a benefit for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and uh, like, I mean, it's easier to 
make someone notice you, but it's also like so easy to just drown in the floods of bands, you know. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. But uh, yeah, I mean, if you try and focus on like you do this ad here or this ad there and just upload content somewhere, someone will notice you and with any luck, they have a friend and they show you to them and Mm -hmm. then it goes on. So it's like the new version of sending dubbed cassette tapes to your obscure cellar dealer (laughs) dude, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah, it doesn't seem so shady anymore. No, exactly. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Speaking of cassettes, what do you guys think of the resurgence of the cassette popularity? I think it's awesome. Yeah? And uh, I don't know. It's it's cool. (laughs) And, uh, well, to be honest, since I listen to a bunch of black metal, and black metal generally has like this super harsh and brittle and sizzly sound quality that just mm-hmm. hurts your ears if you listen to it digi- digitally. <laughs> Once it's on cassette, <laughs> it kind of sounds better. <laughs> Do you think... Uh, okay, so I don't know how true this is, but apparently like older music was um, made for like vinyl, and that's kind of why there's a difference in sound. Um, do you think some of that music was made for cassettes or yeah, I, think... I don't know how that would be any different, but I mean, since it's a physical media, it has like more limitations, just like vinyl, mm-hmm. but, uh, <clears throat> yeah, I don't really know. I have done some stuff on my own for cassettes specifically. And, uh, like if you want it to sound bright you have to like exaggerate the brightness on the digital files and Hmm. stuff like that so with the with being on physical media you just don't have the same kind of freedom with changing your music or how does like what do you mean Uh, like specifically for vinyl i know that if you have like too much stereo width in the bass spectrum and stuff you can make the need like pop out and oh. if you have too much high end, it can distort and sound like crap. And stuff is like that because that. it's all ridged and it uh, the different sounds are different, like thicknesses, I guess. Yeah, I think so. And it's like this this groove. And if there's too much stuff going on at the sides in the bass, it sort of gets this lump in the groove, I think, mm-hmm. and the needle like skips out. <clears throat> Interesting. That's cool. I haven't, uh, I've never actually used vinyl, so it's something that I've been considering, but at the same time, I have everything on Spotify and I'm always in my car, so I'm not sure (laughs) (laughs) what the best option is. So now, again, being in the streaming age, you guys have touched on that you could have more exposure, but what are some of the um, challenges being a new band with the rich history of metal that we have? Well, I think some part uh i mean the 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 bigger brands might uh, look down on you sort of like mm. because you you aren't that big uh, and nowadays uh, for us uh, up and coming bands i guess we can say mm-hmm. uh it's it's almost exclusively about numbers like uh, likes mm-hmm. on facebook and uh, 
YouTube, uh, Instagram, all that stuff. And also, I think uh, I haven't really experienced this myself, but I've heard about smaller bands like almost being told off by the bigger bands because like everything is so digitalized now. So it's not, it's not true, uh, true metal Mm -hmm. to have like a Kemper or, you know, XFX or what, what have you. And then having a, having a large ass Marshall head. (laughs) Like, uh, yeah, there's, there's some like, I don't know, snobbishness, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like I said, I haven't experienced this uh, personally, but I've heard. And you've heard about this in the metal community too? Yeah. Yeah. Strange. Yeah. That's really weird. I've always thought that metal was like a pretty respectful community. Uh, you'd be surprised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Interesting. And- I want to hear more about that. Do you guys have any stories or? Well, uh. sort of, <laughs> um, like the metal and metal core yep. communities, while they are rather similar, like they play the, the extreme music, mm-hmm. but if someone says, oh, they're a core band to a metal band, the metal band will freak out and rage. And I, I don't know about how it goes the other way. Like if someone says, oh, you're a metal band to a core band. I don't know how that works. But mm-hmm. yeah. So there is like, um, yeah, you don't want to be like called something else than metal. Mm-hmm. Like for example, if someone says you're a rock band, but you play in a, play in a metal band, then you might get upset too. That's fair. And then there's like this, uh, I remember when we were to play a show in Croatia mm-hmm. and leading up to that, we posted like a quick video from rehearsal in the like Facebook event. And then a bunch of people commented like, oh, I have so many strings <laughs> yeah. and just yeah. made fun of us. And I guess they assumed we only would be playing the lowest string or something. And just yeah. go bam, 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 yeah, or, or whatever. I mean, I'm not shaming bam, 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 but yeah, <laughs> he means gent, yeah. yeah. Um, but then when we actually had played the show and some clip, um, like went up on YouTube, they actually commented in the same thread wishing they had went to the concert. Uh, nice, so, yeah, that was cool. I love it when things come full circle like that, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think anyone will find something to pick on. It doesn't matter what you do or how good. Somebody will be pissed off and they'll try to poke fun at you for anything. For sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> Speaking of that, do you guys stay out of YouTube comments or do you guys take that stuff? Like, do you guys read uh, comments on your pictures or your posts or anything? Yeah, we tend to read and uh, try to respond to as many comments as possible. Yeah. And I think it's important to stay in touch with your fans. Mm-hmm. Um, at least on the level we are at now, I think it will be more difficult the bigger you get to actually, mm-hmm. like, for for us it's easy now than to respond to forty comments instead of 
like four thousand comments. Then yeah, so yeah, we try to keep up with the the fans. Yeah. Do you guys try to engage the the people who leave negative comments as well, or is it just? Um, I mean, you uh, just engage the people who are looking for information. A bit of both. Yeah. Um, I personally don't really have a problem with getting negative comments online. I mean, I had a YouTube channel back in, I don't know when I started it, mm -hmm. 2013 maybe. I had this uh, side fringe, oh. black colored emo hair, whatever. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I used to get these comments, whoa, what the fuck is this? Go throw yourself in fire. That was like the first <laughs> comment. That was the first comment I got on a video. <laughs> and I was like, hmm. All right. That's yeah, pretty savage for video. the first comment. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Jesus Christ. What were you doing on your uh, YouTube channel? Vocal covers. Okay, cool. And is that uh, then how you kind of, um, you got into like being in a band? Yeah. I know that we talked about that earlier, but like the vocal covers, was that kind of an introduction? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And uh, okay. I did like... I mean, I've done covers of all sorts of bands, like in death metal and deathcore and uh, mm -hmm. some metalcore stuff and black metal. And it's all just contributed to making me more versatile as a vocalist and being able to pick out different inspirations from different places and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that's uh, how I um, got in touch with you for real, I think, because... yeah. I remember I made like a request for a cover. Oh yeah, and and you did it. Um, I don't know how long ago this was. Twenty, maybe eleven or something. Twenty twelve something. Yeah. So nice. So you guys are with, um, and forgive me if I'm pronouncing it wrong. Satanath or Satanath. Um, it's a Russian label, so we don't really know how yeah. they want it. To I, I, I think it's uh, Satanath. Okay. I would say Satanath. Uh, yeah, yeah, we we. we yeah, it sounds way cooler like that. Yeah. <laughs> so they specialize in like very heavy metal. Um, it seems like they're on the darker, like the the crazier side of things. How did you guys um, partner up with them, and did were you guys already signed to them upon the release of Universal Culmination? Uh, no, no. no. Uh, the Universal Combination was self-released. Yeah, it was. Yeah, but then we did the vinyl reissue on uh, this, like, semi-local label called Burning Skull Records. Okay. And then when we had recorded Dogma of the Deceased, we sent it out to like a bunch of labels, and uh, Satanath was stoked to uh, hear some more and uh, sort of went on from there and we signed the deal. Interesting. So you already had everything done for them when you sent yeah. it yeah. to them. Yeah. Did you have to re-record anything or edit anything afterwards? No, nothing. No. So it was a pretty simple rollout for, for the partnership at least. Yeah, exactly. Nice. Are you guys working with them for your next album then as well? Uh, we don't know. We No, we... we... Can't really specify anything on that, but we hmm. we aren't sure. Let's see. It's an open book at the moment. Yeah. Fair enough. What are the benefits for you guys of working with the label compared to self-releasing? I think it's uh, 
easier to reach out uh, to fans uh, or to a new audience, I should say, not just to to the fans, but uh, like to the audience as a whole. If you have uh, like a big label, then they can help with distributing CDs and uh, the media and mm-hmm. also promote on, on their social media accounts. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's like bonus. I mean, we upload our stuff, promote ourselves, and uh, then the label being small or big, they upload their stuff. So you get some bonus points and some new follower here and there and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And also, I think um, it can be sort of like... Like... Uh, a nice uh, stamp of approval, or I should say like, oh, this band has a label, therefore it must be better than if it was self-released. Kind like of almost sort of. is more legitimate kind of. Yeah, more legit. Yeah. yeah. That makes sense. And then like you guys have already mentioned that the, the reach of a label is far greater than just a few people. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they didn't make you sign a contract for any number of records or anything like that? No, it was uh, like a one-off deal. Okay, cool. I don't know really how record labels work, but I know that sometimes they have contracts, so they have to fulfill a certain number of, um, whether it be deadlines or albums or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know really how much we can talk about the contract, but no, but like there's are there are like a bunch of different scenarios you can get signed mm-hmm. for multiple albums, like you said. Yeah. You can get signed, like uh, you can sign up a license of the tracks you have for whatever number of years to the label, mm-hmm. and they like get exclusivity on the material for a limited time or a limited uh, a certain format or whatever. Yeah. So it really depends on the situation and how and how you uh, like yeah negotiate with them. I guess. Yeah. Yeah, And every band has different needs, right? So you can't just have a blanket statement saying, I'm going to give you three albums, here's five years, whatever. Exactly. Yeah. Maybe you don't want to release five albums. (laughs) (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) Maybe you're a black metal band. They will split up even before you release anything. (laughs) (laughs) And then form again 14 years later. Yeah. (laughs) So about your lyrics and stuff, why do you guys choose to... Uh, write and sing in English. Uh, I think I think uh, it's better for like the general general population or the. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, more people can understand it. I guess. Yeah. Would be the. That brings me to my next mm-hmm. question: uh, Is understanding the lyrics important for you guys when you're when you're listening to metal? Uh, personally, me being the vocalist, I kind of enjoy if I can hear at least some of the words, mm-hmm. and it's not just burr, 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 you know. Uh, I mean, sometimes you gotta trade off a thick, brutal tone. Rather, uh, I mean, you have to trade the clarity for a thick, brutal tone. But uh, I personally enjoy if I can get like a nice blend of thick brutal tones and some clarity too and that's also how i approach my own vocals as well it does show on your album that you do try to um articulate properly like there were some yeah 
definitely some verses that I could understand. Uh, but like any metal band, it takes some time with each artist. Yeah, for sure. And you like get to know certain vocalists style, mm -hmm. sort of. Um, yeah. And you like get to know their language, so to say. Yeah, I think that's a fair statement. I think, I think metal vocals are kind of like a language in themselves. They're so all over yeah. the place. Mm -hmm. Interesting. So yeah, it's the <laughs> uh, the vocalist in like Job for a Cowboy, Johnny yeah. Davy. I think his name is. His pronunciations are so weird sometimes. Like even if you read the lyrics, you can't hear that he says those words. Because he says like teeth. If he says the word teeth, he says it like tear. Yeah. <laughs> and <laughs> all weird, like, uh, uh, what is it? Diphthongs and stuff, shifts in tones and whatever. Yeah. He puts the emphasis in weird places. Yeah, emphasis exactly. Word. But I'm it's super cool it. because when you actually like learn how he pronounces his words and like learn his language you can understand it totally fine so do you find you enjoy the music better once you understand the lyrics not necessarily if you listen to slam because you don't want to know what it's about <laughs> okay i just found out i just found out about slam metal so what is that uh imagine you find death metal and you think whoa this is brutal and then you dive down and really crawl deep down the rabbit hole mm -hmm. of brutal music. And then it's basically just chugs and slow drums or super fast drums. And the vocals is not even growling almost. It's like, yeah, it's gurgling. just a long note. Yeah. So instead of a pissed off yell, it's more like... Mm a, uh, I don't know, a worm in the mud. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or a when pig I in the mud. I came across um, this band Organectomy yesterday, and it was like slam mm -hmm. metal this. And so I started listening to it, and you described exactly how they sound. So I'm, <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad to know that that's pretty much the whole genre there. Yeah. It's basically a genre built off a chromatic riff going dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. And then a pinch harmonic, so dun 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 dun, dun. and that's the whole genre, and I love it. But <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it can be so ultra groovy if done right. Yeah, and it has like really funky vocal styles, but it also very easily leans over to a very unserious sound, sort of. It's Do you like, say unserious because so... it's almost so extreme? Yeah, it's so brutal. Okay. It's not even brutal anymore because it just sounds funny, sort of. Uh, yeah, it's not, it sounds like a wet fart. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> <laughs> I, yeah, I don't really know how to come back from that. <laughs> I'm not sure that I'd want uh, my advertisement to say sounds like a wet fart. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I mean, that's also like a good statement for the genre. Once you get down that deep, there's no going back. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's one of the cool things about metal, though, too, is there's such like a complex fusion of so many different genres and styles of music. Yeah, 
and like you guys for yourselves um i've read in in different areas and obviously like you have like thrash metal and black metal influences but you guys each incorporate your own personal influences into it as mm-hmm. well yeah so do you think there's any um problems to fusing so many genres or do you do you think that maybe metal will just become something that you don't really know what you're looking for anymore i that think it makes sense yeah yeah it kind of does uh, i think it's important to do it not in a forceful way like uh, mm-hmm. for example me coming from a prog uh, prog background i don't want to force the prog influences into the music because that would just sound yeah that would sound forced and that wouldn't mm-hmm like be as natural in the music uh, so that's definitely like it, the more genres you want to mix the harder it is to actually get a coherent and natural sound uh, mm-hmm. to it and not make it sound forced yeah and it's the same for me like uh, i'm not gonna pull off this slam gurgle like <laughs> in a section where it doesn't even fit because <laughs> mm-hmm. that doesn't make sense. But if it is this like chunky, groovy riff, it might suit and stuff like that. Well, you're also not going to throw in clean vocals into a song that it doesn't fit either. So it's the same or two sides of the same coin pretty much. Exactly. Yeah. Have you guys ever thought about doing clean vocals? Uh we have, but uh, there has been a firm no from all of the members. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. <laughs> Everyone has like thought about it, but no, no one wants to do it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, it works for some bands, and it's just like anything else for some bands, it doesn't work. So yeah, for sure. Whatever your sound is, and worth noting is, even if you don't have clean vocals, you can still incorporate melodies in your like harsh vocals. Yeah, for sure, with mm-hmm. different pitches and uh, and stuff like that. Yeah. Interesting. Um, being from Sweden, obviously, you have some pretty ins- insane talent coming out of there. Like you have um, like In Flames, Dark Tranquility, and um, at the gates, we're kind of credited with starting the melodic death metal subgenre. Mm-hmm. Do you guys feel any pressure to play mellow death, or is there an inherent mellow death sound still coming out of Sweden? Uh, we personally, or I personally, don't feel that we as a band want to go into the mellow death uh, like area. Like we, we have found the sound we we want mm-hmm. basically, and uh, now it's just a like we focus on evolving the small little nuances that comes with uh, each of us having our own influences. So we try to. Uh, incorporate and evolve those a bit more but uh uh yeah um, we we have found found our thing yeah and uh, about like at the gates and stuff um uh, bands like uh, the black dahlia murder and revocation and stuff like the american mellow death is like based upon the swedish mellow death and then uh, like the main writers in our band listens like a lot to those American melodeath bands and then obviously have listened to the Swedish styles as well so it sort of morphs into this combination of both I guess mm-hmm. 
Yeah, we we have some uh, like we we try to incorporate melodic uh, influences like uh, melodic scales and whatnot. Yep. But uh, uh, not uh, taking too much from the genre, I think. No. Something like Did that. You guys... I mean, you need some melody and not just like chugging all the time. Because if you do if you do something all the time, it's gonna get boring. Mm. Yeah, and without melody, there's only so much I think you can do. Yeah, exactly. But I'm also not a musician, so I don't really have much authority there. <laughs> <laughs> so um, part of the reason, or sorry, you guys went with like a thrashy death metal sound. Is that partly because there's too much mellow death in Sweden, or is that just like a choice? Uh, it's a it's a choice I think uh, like uh, I don't think um, I'm not gonna say there there's too much metal death in Sweden because uh, I I listened to In Flames a couple of years ago but uh, mm -hmm. I haven't really listened to a lot of metal death so I I don't actually have a huge understanding of um, like other bands and that sort of thing in Sweden. Um, yeah. I think maybe with um, with the internet and streaming capability, you don't really have the isolated sounds anymore. Like, just because a certain sound originated in an area doesn't mean it'll stay there because of how accessible everything is. Yeah, yeah. that's very true. Yeah. I think that's a win for everybody. But Yeah. Yeah. It is, it is. But it, it's also, it can be a win, but it can also be a detriment because if like everybody sounds the same, then mm -hmm. it's getting drowned in the flood. Well, look at pop music. Yeah, my, yeah. I mean, but to me, it all sounds the same and uh, same with a lot of rap nowadays too. It's just nothing's individual. Yeah. So continuing on with Sweden's export of amazing metal, you have everything from bloodbath to arch enemy, you have such a wide variety of sounds coming out of Sweden. Um, who do you think are some Swedish bands that deserve more recognition? Hmm. Hmm. Awkward silence. Um. <laughs> huh. I like it. It means that you're thinking. Yeah. yeah. Or maybe even not more recognition, but who are some uh, more Swedish bands that you think I should listen to? Um, I have uh, one band that I listen to, uh, which uh, originated in Sweden. Or actually, I have two. Uh, they are more uh, like folk slash heavy metal. Okay. Uh, I'd say. Uh, so they are Falconer and Evergrey. I've heard of Evergrey before, but I haven't heard of Falconer. Right. Uh, yeah, I, th I think they're great. Uh, you can definitely hear, uh, like in his voice, that he's from a Scandinavian country. But uh, yeah, it's uh, it's really great. They mix some of the melodic uh, influences and folk metal, mm -hmm. and just uh, straight up heavy metal as well. So, and uh, not too much of every element, but like a, a nice, well-rounded mix of it. Cool. I'll check those guys out too. Sure. 
And for um, kind of like a last... Oh, sorry. Go ahead. No, I, I was just going to say that my brain is like locking up. I can't figure out any bands. <laughs> like, That's totally I can't, understandable. I can't think of anything. <laughs> <laughs> That's okay. You guys have given me so much to listen to already and I'm stoked for it. Um, before we wrap this up, what is on your current regular rotation? Uh, on my personal rotation, uh, I'd say definitely Archfire. Like, <laughs> yeah. um, and then uh, I listen to, um, hang on, I have to check up <laughs> what, what they're called. It's funny because I went through the exact same thing the other day. I was thinking about if somebody asked me and I was like, oh shit, I just ran into so many new bands. I have no idea. So I have to go yeah. through and make a list. Yeah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, but uh, I listen to a lot of uh, Devin Townsend as well. Yeah. Um, so th that was not the, the band I was thinking of, but <laughs> that's the band I come up with uh, on the top of my head. So he definitely goes uh, around and around in a loop uh, on the album. And obviously Dream Theater as well. So you just like Canadian artists is what you're saying? Mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> We do have some good metal coming out of Canada, that's for sure. Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah. Uh, my personal rotation at the moment is probably Photophobia and uh, a band called Armageda, or Armageda, I guess. Okay. I haven't heard of those either, so I'm going to have to listen to them as well. <laughs> sure. Prepare for a harsh sounding brittle black metal with uh, screams of I'm despair. excited. <laughs> <laughs> very descriptive i like it yeah <laughs> so my last question and this is this is just completely random but uh are you guys fans of ghost nope okay no not really i'm not really a fan i just i don't understand the draw and i was hoping to find someone that could explain that a little bit more it's definitely not my cup of tea yeah for sure i'm i'm also waiting for someone to like show me how why they are so why i should listen to them Mm -hmm. like i mean i i understand they're talented and they obviously are doing something right but i think yeah. maybe for me it's just maybe not heavy enough or distorted enough i don't know yeah yeah i think that has something to do with it for me as well um yeah that's that's probably it so for anybody listening what's the best or where is the best place to go to find your guys's music uh, I would say uh, maybe Bandcamp or, I guess, Spotify. Yeah, Spotify, I'd say. Yeah, but if you go to Bandcamp, you can find some of our merch as well, which is mm -hmm. cool. Right. Well, and then you said you also have the two demo tracks on your Bandcamp, right? Yeah, yeah. Sweet. I will be going there right after this. Cool. Cool. Awesome. <laughs> Thank you very much for uh, coming on the show, guys. Is there anything else that you would like to say to anyone who's listening? Uh, thank you for tuning in. Uh, yeah. And have fun, whatever you're going to do <laughs> next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I look forward to the new music, guys. Thank you. Thank you. We do too, to release the, the album. Thank you for tuning in, and we will see you next time on Gyro Nation Metal. Please don't forget to like, share, and subscribe. The podcast can be found on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. If you would like to support this podcast, please consider checking out my Patreon. Thank you.